0: You are listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of Biting Analysis. This uh, is Moonspeak, Phase 2, Episode 25, The Mugen Triangle.
1: Hey everybody, this is Sono.
0: And I'm Amit. Welcome to Moonspeak Phase 2, your source for weekly Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3 discussion and analysis. This week we're discussing uh, Sailor Moon Crystal Act 27 Infinity 1 Premonition Part 2, which uh, I guess because the other one was called Part 1 I should have seen this coming, but like, this really threw me for a loop, the fact that this is also Act 27. Um, and, uh, wow, this is going to be weird. This is probably going to be a 26-episode season, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, they're not sticking quite to episode per chapter the way they were uh, in the previous season. They're uh, willing to kind of pace themselves differently and break things up if they need to. Which is good. Yes, Uh, because that (laughs) did present some problems last time where the pacing got a little too fast uh, now and then. Um, Wikipedia still isn't offering me answers to credits for specific episodes, um, and I can't find it anywhere. Uh, Miss Dream does have an overall list of cast and crew, uh, which I've put a link to in the notes. Um, I'm not sure if that's just for seasons one and two, or if it's the same staff on season three, or if, uh, they're kind of intermingled there. Um, I still can't find this info. Uh, Per episode, though, Uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled for that. And hopefully at least we'll be able to, you know, update the episode uh, pages with that information down the line. Hopefully Uh, I do also want to note that my cousin Rachel, uh, after listening to uh, our podcast for uh, part one, uh, she contacted me, and Crunchyroll apparently did translate the subs uh, for the opening and ending themes. Um, I'm not sure why Hulu isn't, but um, if that's a thing that you kind of want to watch the opening with the subs, you can check it out on Crunchyroll, because um, they're apparently doing it, and I don't know why Hulu isn't, because they didn't for episode two, either. Uh, but I just wanted to put that out there since that was something we talked about, uh, and she pointed that out to me.
0: Cool. And uh, glad to know Rachel's back listening. That's, that's super exciting. <laughs> it, it must be kind of, like, weirdly nostalgic to hear you listen, talking about it with somebody else because you guys watched it growing yeah, up.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I'm really glad she's listening to this season um, – like, Haruka and Michu were very... were her favorites. Michu was very much her favorite. So, I'm excited to kind of hear what she's thinking about uh, this season of Crystal and kind of getting that all out there. And um, from when I talked to her, she was super excited about this season, as am I.
0: Alright, awesome. Um, because I'm new to this show... um, weird saying that because this is all new to me um i just kind of wanted to keep track of things as we're going along so um i'll just throw this in probably at the end of the credit section before we get into the other segments uh as we do um so um uh, mag um ma- i guess magus right Magus, magus, magus magus, I magus. yeah i don't know words are okay. weird <laughs> yes they are um, I'll go with Magus. Magus Kalonite, uh offers the F- is Five elevation to the rank of magus, and uh, direct access to Pharaoh 90, and the ability to utilize the Tyron crystal? Uh, which they recognize <laughs> uh it's the source of life to them, apparently. Um, if they can destroy the five anomalies, the anomalies are our girls, of course. And uh, Kallenite permits the witches to um, five to use uh, Daimon against them. Um, she also exhorts them to find the vessels and the hosts, which Hulù spelled really weirdly. Although maybe I didn't look that up, and it has something to do with magic, um, so that they can survive. Um, but like,
1: I'm not sure if that's like a religious spelling of host. I guess um,
0: it could
1: be. Just you know, growing up Catholic, getting communion, um, and receiving the host. Yeah, receiving and you the, host. the
0: host, but. Hmm. Uh. Wanna sip sip my coffee while you're looking that up real fast?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna. Uh.
0: I, I I should probably be talking while you're looking it up. Um, so like, I like this whole setup. So far, it's interesting, and I just have to say, um, while you're looking that up, it's interesting that they split this manga chapter into two, and I cannot believe how fast this manga chapter must have gone, because, like, apparently it's the same length as the others, but they just packed so much, or Takuchi packed up so much information into it, Um, so, like, my hat's off to her uh, for the original work she did.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot going on here, and I'm looking this up. I'm seeing host spelled just H-O-S-T. Um, I still feel like that extra E may be some kind of like religious spelling somehow. Um, I just can't quite find, find it, and probably should have looked that up before we started recording the episode. Um, but here we are. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is the Tone Network. This is how we do things, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel a little bit bad because, like, we try to be really analytical and intellectual about things, but at the same time, we're pretty off the cuff uh, sometimes. We are, and
1: I mean, there's something good to that. It kind of shows that we're, we we have a little bit of sense of humor about ourselves. Our our logic isn't completely (laughs) infallible. Right. We're we're as human um, as anyone else doing this.
0: That's true. Very true. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to rough demands. The uh, the things that r- rubbed you the wrong way this episode. Um, I guess I'll start off. Uh, so, legendary silver crystal, malefic dark crystal, Tyran crystal. The repetition is always going to bother me a bit. And yes, uh, even as I watch Kamen Rider and Super Sentai, which are full of similar repetitions, uh, it just. I, it's just a hurdle I have to get over in the beginning of each, um not repetition, but, like, new arc of Sailor Moon, and once we're into it, I totally forget about how it's done, because I think it's just handled so well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, the, the thing with Ryder and Sentai is that each individual season is kind of separate so you can just kind of be like, oh, well, they're using kind of the same plot device in this entirely new story, whereas here we have these three major crystals kind of all existing in the same universe. Um, but also, you know, space is huge. So, you know, three different magic space crystals across the entire the entirety of the universe isn't too bad.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: let's see. Okay, uh... Yeah, another thing for me was uh, Chibi Usagi's hat sure flew a long distance off of that ride, and it appeared to me high up onto the uh, Mugan Academy building, or at least, like, the blocking made it really hard to tell just where it had gone and where she was and how it started and the trajectory and wind speed and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm kind of seconding that. I mean, I know we established right away that the park is right next to the school, but the background art framed it kind of oddly, that it seemed like it traveled way farther than it should have. Just, you know, I've gone to amusement parks in my life, I've seen people's hats fall off, and they usually just fall, like, at the bottom of the roller coaster. And I know that this is kind of a big, wide-brimmed hat, so it would maybe get some more lift, but, like, how close is the roller coaster to the school building that it was able to get, like, all the way to the other side of the building? I mean, and why was she even able to wear that hat on a roller coaster? I know I'm being super nitpicky on that, but, like, usually a roller coaster (laughs) operator will not let you wear a hat, especially that kind of hat, just because of the risk of losing it. And they don't want to get blamed for it.
0: This is a small lady. I'm pretty sure she tucked it in between her knees, and then as soon as she was off, she put it back on.
1: You know what? I would not be surprised. (laughs) Um, Also, how loud is Michiru's violin that everyone is hearing it from different parts of this very large, like, school (laughs) campus? I know that she is magic, and that, like, she kind of used it specifically to draw them in, and I'm being, again, being super nitpicky. uh, But still, it just seems a little weird that, like, Mamoru running up to the building can hear it. Um, Usagi hearing it, I can totally buy. I could- I could buy her just having been near that area in wandering the building, but everyone else outside, not quite as much. Especially since, like, they're on different sides of the building.
0: Yeah, it was a little much.
1: <laughs> but, you um, know, what? if that's really the height of my complaints, um, like, so what? <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um all right well let's let's leave those complaints behind and uh, talk about the frills the uh, lovely things that we found us spe- but found especially catching um I really really enjoyed Ma's communicator watch so
1: show. did I it's adorable <laughs> like I have to imagine he just goes to Luna like Luna look I'm involved in this now I need to be able to <laughs> call everyone she's like okay well I have these watches and he's like okay can you paint it black and put a tiny mask on it and Luna's just like yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. Like, it's it's very much the sort of thing that comes out of the old series. I don't remember him having it then, but it's... Like, he had little tuxedo mask slippers in the first series. Oh my. <laughs> like, he just had, like, black slippers with the little masks on them. And it it just feels very much like that nerdy side of Mamoru coming back that I've kind of missed.
0: That's pretty funny. Um, I wouldn't put him past, uh, Luna having given him one and he did the paint job himself. Oh God, you yeah. Know, spent a night, also laid true. down some paper, got out his paint and tape and just went to town. Got, got
1: some, got some clay, made a little mask and glued it on.
0: <laughs> oh man. Um, I really liked the inclusion of Umino Jr. in, um, Chibu Sagi's group of friends. Yes. Uh, cute little detail. Um I wonder if they're actually siblings, maybe not. Who knows? Um Let's see. Uh okay, so Sailor Moon and Chibu Moon's comedic dodging of the uh giant cat monstrosity was uh pretty good.
1: Yes. I mean I loved them all together in this episode. Um that dodging, again, I I hate to keep saying this, just it brought me back to the first series so much just with how often they did that kind of thing. I, I didn't expect to get kind of those silly moments of them, like, trying to run away from a monster as much in Crystal, just because we got it, we need the time to get stuff done. So I'm just glad to see it. And there was just a lot of warmth between the two of them in this episode, even if they spent most of it bickering. Uh, like, Ikuko pulling them apart, and Shibuya still posed as if she was fighting. <laughs> like not yeah. not immediately realizing she'd been dragged out of the fight
0: that is so cartoony and and fantastic i love it uh okay so haruka has a mask and a cape. and uh i thought that was pretty pretty exciting especially with the uh like haruka is blonde mamoru uh you know, visual that really struck me, uh, in the last episode.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely like the, what it's indicating because those are very clear, like visual symbols of Tuxedo Mask. Um, I didn't like it as much. I did go back and check and it was a thing, uh, that she had in this scene in the manga and it was, the shots were framed the same way. But again, it felt so weird to me that they were like going out of their way to hide, that Haruka was wearing a skirt in those shots with how they're framed. Um, Like, she's in the opening and the ending. We know she's a woman. This isn't something you need to hide from us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's always funny. Like, I grew up watching Digimon, watched many of the seasons multiple times, and uh, I once happened to watch, uh, a few years ago, uh, the third season the uh, opening credits, and I, I watched the Japanese. Uh, I think f- an official copy of it, and I was shocked to see that it like gave away all the Digivolutions, even like the last, the final, because the three main characters each get four forms, and like it showed all four forms. And one of the characters who has this really interesting arc. If you don't watch the opening credits, you see that they get a Mega form, which is like the most powerful. Technically, there's a huge asterisk there, um, but like. All this stuff is just given away in the credits, and I've never understood it. Um. So whatever. It's. Uh, I, it's is that like a Toei thing, or what is it? Maybe
1: that? I don't know, but it like it just felt so weird that they set the shots up specifically so you couldn't see like Haruka's hip and thigh area to see that she was wearing a skirt. Because it in the manga there is one shot where you can see it. Um. We're here, I don't think there was any, but it's just like it's it's not a secret. We know she's a woman like why why are you framing it in such a way like i I like the symbols that she's using, but like the framing sat a little weird with me.
0: I could see that um so cat monster. I'm in 100% on Cat Monster.
1: Oh, man, that that Uh, cat did not care about anything. (laughs) Like, they they beat it, and the cat's just sleeping. Just like, oh, was something happening? Okay, whatever. Cat time. It looked a lot better than, like, the human monsters. Like, it still very much had bits of it that looked like a cat. Like, it had a cat face. Yeah, I did. Where it felt a little more like reversion might be, like, an acceptable <laughs> the theory, instead of, like, <laughs> the human ones, which just look like bugs. <laughs> I don't know. Just... well cool. I, I liked the design for this one better than the previous ones. Um, I enjoyed Mamoru being afraid of roller coasters. That was... Uh, Very amusing. Yeah, I got a plus one you on that. <laughs> that was deeply amusing. Um, also, his dad instincts kicking in as he chases his kid halfway across the city. Just like he shows up after the fight, and I half expect him to like walk up to Chibiusa and be like, "Don't you ever run off like that again?" <laughs> like, do you know how worried I, know, I was? So <laughs> like he he just went full dad on the scene, and I. I quite enjoyed that. Um, speaking of Chibiusa, her transformation sequence was adorable. Um, I love what they did and the sound effects that they used, and it was just super cute, and I thought it suited her really nicely. Um, and see- Seeing her and Usagi do the catchphrase together was warmed my heart.
0: Yeah, that is so good. Um, since we're going to talk about this issue that I'm going to rear a little bit here, um, or... I'm just going to bring it up and then we'll expand on it more later. Uh I think that the m- main she like their transformations, they're a little sexy. Um like I'm not going to lie. I know their drawings and everything, but I'm like like hey, these these young ladies are attractive. Um and I feel a little weird now. Um, but like Chibi Usagi's was I like how different it is from theirs because it just feels innocent and beautiful. Yeah, and, and there's I did, none of that edge of sexuality. I did so think like that, hats off to uh, the crew.
1: While I was watching it, I'm like, I'm very impressed with them for because I mean, with the girls, it is in a way very sexual, and that kind of draws back uh, to Cutie Honey, which is where uh, the idea of a transformation sequence kind of originated, or at least a transformation sequence in this sense. Um, and Cutie Honey mm. is a very, very sexual thing. Um, it's great. I have I haven't watched the original cutie honey, but I've watched, uh, several other iterations of it and cutie honey is, uh, very enjoyable. It's very fun. Um, and I would definitely recommend checking it out. Um, but that is kind of where it draws from, but I was very impressed that they're like, okay, this one is a child. So let's not make it quite as sexy. Let's like not focus <laughs> on like her chest or her butt. Like, let's just get her into this and kind of put some cute sound effects and just have her do a cute, like, child pose. And I do, right. I do like that, that they did kind of take that into consideration.
0: Um, especially cause, like, I know how little girls like to mimic things and, you know, Chibu is a good, good one to mimic. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, no problem there. Um, alright, let's, uh, go to quotable quotes. Um, one of the best lines uh, is definitely, well, basically, I don't do things like that, which is Mamoru trying to, Um tell Asunamu that he can't handle roller coasters without actually saying I'm scared, or they give me anxiety attacks, or I just can't do it, which was great. He's,
1: he still has to be the cool guy in front of <laughs> uh, his junior. Yeah. Um, I liked We Are All Sailor Guardians Protected by the Planets, uh... As said by Chibiusa to the uh, quote-unquote mysterious sick girl whose name I know, but it hasn't come up yet, so I'm not going to say it. Um, That's fair. I just really love when someone with a secret identity kind of lets a civilian in on the secret to, you know, make them less scared or just make them feel better about something. Um, and I mean, this is something that came up in zuo uh Super Sentai show uh, this week. Technically last week, uh, we did two episodes at once, but it's it's a favorite thing of mine where it's just like, oh yeah, but no, I'm actually this, you know, super powerful thing and I just want to help you and make you happy. Um, <laughs> and especially seeing it from Chibiusa, who's like so proud that she now is able to be a sailor guardian and following in Usagi's footsteps where she's like, yeah, no, I look how cool I am. And she kind of wants to show it off. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I like, too, that they did, like, an in-scene, um, like, she did a, a spin or flourish or something, too, at the end, where
1: yeah.
0: uh it was, I think, de- directly lifted from her, you know, cutscene, um, but it was just really cute that she actually did it there, like, to show, like, hey, you know, look at me!
1: <laughs> and, like, Usagi's, Usagi's like, we're, we're not supposed to tell people this, Chibius, and Chibius's like, shush! <laughs> shush, this one's okay!
0: That was really cute. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let, now that we've covered all that stuff, let's go ahead and move into the Inquisition. Um, I think I've got, like, um, five questions here to, uh, match with the Witches 5, maybe? Maybe there's six. Who knows? Let's get into it, and we'll uh, we'll answer them. Um, so, uh, speaking of them, how do you enjoy the designs of the Witches 5? Um... I guess I'll go first. Uh, I think they're interesting. I like all the different outfits overall, and the different hairstyles and colors make a lot of variety. Um, I wonder about the sex appeal that a lot of them seem to have, but then again, my mind could just be drifting back to the visual event horizon that is Kalanite's plunging neckline and cleavage. Um, <laughs> finally, it is... <it laughs> It is too bad we didn't get to see the Witches Five do much um, in the way of fighting um, to better showcase them in action. Because you just got like a big group shot, a couple group shots of them, and that was it. And it's like I would have rather had time to see each one in more detail.
1: Um, I'm used to really visually sexual villain ladies, Um, just you know, long history in with magical girls, and it's an it's an oddly recurring reoccurring trait in hero shows. Um, maybe a little less so in Ryder, but not altogether not there. Um, but it's very, very prevalent like in magical girl shows, in like, shonen fighting shows, um, and Super Sentai. So it's it's not something that bothers me or that I really make a note of just because it's been 20 years and I'm used to it. Um, and especially Kalanite in The Witches 5, uh, who are in Sailor Moon, and thus I have that 20-year history with. Um, But I've always really enjoyed kind of the visual cohesion of their designs. They all feel like they're very much part of the same unit without having a specific uniform the way uh, the four generals did in Dark Kingdom. Their designs are very varied, but they ha- all have their specific color and then black in kind of equal ratios and similar pa- placements. So they feel like a single unit, unlike the Black Moon Clan um, and the villain group in Stars, uh, which is the last season of Sailor Moon. Um, though that villain group are all somewhat individual units kind of working under one leader, so I don't really fault them uh, for the lack of cohesion there. Uh, I just really enjoy the visual cohesion here.
0: Um, I'm thinking back to that Aquaman picture that you sent me uh, when we were talking about character design like six, eight months ago, maybe even like a year ago. And um, I think the point that you bring up about uh, the color spacing and everything with the Witches 5 is, um, it's not directly related to, but it reminds me very much of, of like the, all the various Aquaman designs over the years and like how they... Look, uh, they feel the same even though they look different. And And then you get, like, um, one or
1: two in, like, the late, I think the early 2000s where they just did something completely different. You're like, wait, is this the same guy?
0: (laughs) But, uh, like, it's just, it's really impressive design work. So, you know, great, um... Did Takuchi do all her own design work? Because I know I've read manga before where the artist has included notes that said, like, hey, I didn't design this character, or I asked for help designing the character, but of course I drew the rest.
1: No, I believe she did all of the design work. Um, I don't know if maybe some assistants kind of gave her suggestions or did things like helped in certain ways, but I think it was mostly, if not entirely, just her design work. Uh, Which I think at the time is a lot more common.
0: Um, like, n- not to disrespect American comic artists, but, like, there's just one, something really, really cool about the fact that, like, the typical Japanese style is, like, the manga mangaka who does, like, everything. And I know, like, Tezuka had people under him and different people, Uh, like, eventually you get assistants who will help draw things in, too. But, like, it's cool how... You know, manga can have, like, a single auteur who does everything on it. And that's, that's like, a really impressive, neat thing about it as a medium, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that really has bled into the American comic scene. I mean, not with uh, DC and Marvel, by any means. Uh, right. Though certain books are willing to play with style in different ways. Um, I mean, I can't really count everything out. Um, but the indie comic scene, there's a lot of kind of that sort of mentality in creating.
0: And I think it's really encouraging, and I wonder how much of that might be from, like, you know, influence of anime and manga and people realizing, like, whoa, someone just did this thing all by themselves? Well, I'll do that, too. I mean, a a lot
1: of the people who've come into comics, especially indie comics, in the past handful of years um, are people that I knew uh, and went to school with, um... And it really is like they grew up kind of on American comics and on manga and seeing the difference, um, in the way they're produced and kind of the pacing and the style of them. And that really has affected a lot of the people who've gone into the industry in the past handful of years. I graduated maybe five years ago, almost exactly five years ago now that I think about it, um, It'll be five years in about a month, so the people who've gone in in the past five years are really this generation of people who have grown up on manga and were inspired to go into comics by that. And again, obviously, I'm making a general statement; it's not everyone, but it is. It has become kind of a big influence in the people who are doing comics these days.
0: And I, I think that you know we'll only get a lot of benefits from that. It's nice to have a injection of inspiration from an outside source. Um, okay, next question. Did the convergence of Small Lady Mamaru and the Sailor Guardians at the or as the climax approached, uh work well for you? And I would say I really like this bit. Um, the power of the Silver Millennium is strong with the uh Neo Queen Serenity family, and I just I dig the fact that uh, you know, destiny and convenience for the plot, you know, bring them all together. And it just, it was framed well enough, even though, you know, you know, Mitru's violin wouldn't have been that loud. I think it still all flowed well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it was fine for me, the violin thing aside, which in itself isn't even that big of an issue. Um, I was just really struggling to find things to complain about. Um, (laughs) But like, they're all in different parts of this same area, so everyone showing up didn't feel forced. It wasn't, oh, we all just happened to be here, what a funny turn of fate. Like, everyone had a reason to be around the school building as the attack happened. Like, the girls were investigating the school building. Haruka and Michiru go there. Uh, Chibiusa and Mamoru were in the park next to the school building. They all had reasons to be converging there. So it didn't feel like it was some kind of forced convergence for the sake of the plot.
0: Uh, all right. That's fair. Um, next question. What does atavism mean? Um, Isagi saying it when the uh, catfield diamond? appears is, it really threw me further.
1: Um, I looked it up and it's literally the exact definition that they gave for reversion last episode. Um, so I think they just decided to use the fancier sounding word.
0: Which is a good idea. I wondered if it was a translation error, but I thought it was probably, like, a word put there in place of reversion. Like, I cannot think of what the source like, what language atta would have, or atav, would have, uh, like, sourced from? So, like, there's no Latin or Greek clicking in my head as to, like, that meaning to turn back or or something yeah, like I'm, that. So I'm not sure. I thought sure. it was a made-up word.
1: I just did a quick, like, I did a quick Google search for Atavism definition, and it just, it pretty much gave me the definition of reversion that they gave uh, in episode, in the last episode of the show. So, I guess they're just picking a different word to use.
0: It's just too bad that Usagi's the one who came up with it, because, um, I don't think Usagi knows the word reversion and activism.
1: No, she, she definitely doesn't.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, alright, next question. Uh, that sickly moving student sure has some issues. Uh, I wonder if she is somehow the flaw that Kellanite referred to. Um, I'm pretty sure she's either Sailor Saturn or the Tyron Crystal Made Flesh. Uh, like, there's no need to comment on my speculation, of course, because we're trying to go through this with some false naivete, because I really don't know what's going on, and you're just being nice. Yeah, I
1: mean, I know exactly what's going on, so I'm just kind of sitting over here and whistling innocently as the plot progresses, uh, and just waiting. <laughs>
0: um, okay, final question. Um, what did I put here? Because you corrected my question. Uh,
1: you put Pluto instead of Neptune. Ah,
0: Okay, sorry about that. So Neptune and Uranus Uranus were... (laughs) They're all outers. Eh, Um, They
1: they all know each other. Yeah.
0: Um, But Neptune and Uranus were just barely involved in the events of this episode. Uh, Is that an issue for you?
1: Um, It was fine for me. I mean, the two of them kind of have a different approach to this problem than Usagi and the girls. And they're still kind of feeling out the new obstacle that Usagi and the girls present to what they're trying to do. Um so it, it was cl- made clear very early in the episode that they were there aware of the situation and watching the whole time as is pointed out by Minako like while they're all like when they first get to the school and are like something's weird here Minako's like there are people watching me again what is going on and like clearly that was the two of them and that's really all I need for their appearance at the end to not really feel out of left field for me
0: Uh, for my part, um, it worked just fine for me. Uh, I get the sense that Takuchi's trying to do or at least um, make things feel very differently, and I appreciate that. So, um, you know, we have this other group of Sailor Guardians, and they're doing something that we don't know and we don't quite understand. And, like, she's definitely... Harakun and Michiru are a wrench being thrown into the whole machine's process here. <laughs> um, and, like, I'm okay with that, and I like how there unsettling things but it's weird because there's no direct conflict yet so while she's doing the repetition of a group with a you know i mean it's the standard sentai writer sort of thing or even shonen thing where there's like a master and then people under them generals and then they have their foot soldiers and stuff like we're getting all that again um but like the way it's all being handled is so uh different that it really plays off well and like them being there, I know, I, I totally agree with you, they were watching and waiting and seeing what's going on, and uh, I just really appreciate that, because it just adds this different element that we haven't encountered yet in this show at all.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just really, it's very kind of reminiscent of kind of the secondary rider showing up. Um, not so much, uh, you know, a sixth member in a Sentai, because they're usually pretty directly throwing themselves into the battle and then being like, hi, I am now part of your team. Um, but it, it feels a little more kind of like the secondary rider where they've got their own agenda, um, and they've got their own thing that they want to do regarding this villain group, and then it's suddenly, uh, who are all these really friendly people showing up and fighting, and wanting to, you know, <laughs> you know, make everyone happy? This is not what I know.
0: Right. Um... This is a pr- pretty funny parallel. I'm thinking Meteor. I'm thinking Excel. Yeah,
1: no, that Meteor, um, Excel, Spectre.
0: Um, it, interestingly enough, um, Beast is nothing like that, except for he wants to be Haruto's rival. He
1: wants that so badly. <laughs> uh,
0: and Haruto just doesn't have any time for that. <laughs> uh,
1: which is again pretty funny with the kind of the parallels that we'd been drawing between Wizard and Sailor Moon. Um, that you know, the introduction of their quote-unquote secondary writers are very different from wizards. Yeah, most but definitely. it is a little—they are a little closer to Mayu, um, just kind of in mm-hmm. how they're approaching things. Um, Mayu, who was the kind of third writer in Wizard, uh, right. for because right. I know not everyone you know overlaps yeah, <laughs> overlaps there um but you know that is kind of the base that we're coming from and comparing to uh so it's it there's some really interesting parallels kind of within the hero genres the you know the various hero genres that were presented with
0: you know what um we, we're going to close it the show right now, but I just want to throw a bit of speculation in before we do. Um, and, of course, don't answer. Just I'm thinking out loud. I wonder, I almost wonder if when Pluto was transported to the Silver Millennium Tower or n- new... Ugh, you know what I'm talking about. At the end, yeah. Pluto kind of vanished and yeah. it looked like she went to go sleep or be sealed away or something. Because she's supposed to be eternally guarding the time door... The space-time door. I almost wonder if her being sent off to that place triggered something and like awakened Haruka and Michiru and I just think, uh, that would be really interesting if that was the case. Or, you know, Sailor Saturn, wherever she is. Um, like, I don't know, I think it's gonna be really interesting to turn when Pluto comes back into the show and how that all works and I'm, I'm very excited for this, so. Anyway, um don't want to say too much else, but uh, just had to get uh, that out there because I want to see how that kind of I'm going to let that go unfolds. and just
1: kind of let everything everything come to you as it will. Um, again, there, I'm. it's been forever since I've kind of addressed this arc, since I've watched it, so there are things I remember, things that I don't. Um, I'm definitely eager to be revisiting uh, this part of the story.
0: Um... It's really funny, we got introduced to Pluto in in the Black Moon arc, and I never even thought, well, where are the planets in between Mars and Pluto, um, or Jupiter and Pluto, I never even thought of that, so that's kind of funny. They sure are um,
1: somewhere.
0: Yeah, they sure are. <laughs> um, so, and like, once again, I know this is over 20 years later, but like, good job, Takuchi, you planned that out well. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, that's all for now. Um... Listeners, you can go ahead and check out the post and uh, answer our questions if you want. You can answer them on Twitter or through Tumblr or through the submission box, or you can uh, tweet at us. Um, and that's all in the show notes. Um, and we uh, thank you for listening and hope to uh, catch you next week.
1: Yeah, we'll see you then.